Hello and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, I'm a chartered psychologist and coach, and today I'm joined by another member of the Work-Life Psych family, uh, Dr. Rachel Skews. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I love that we're a family. I think that's uh, such a nice way of thinking about it and very true, I have to say. As long as we don't focus on the dysfunctional aspects of all families, <laughs> we'll, we'll be fine. Um, look, before we dive into today's topic, which is all about goals and goal setting and the pros and cons and potentially exploring the dark side of that, I, as usual, have some news and updates to share. Um, this, for listeners, is the first first podcast I'm recording from the new office. Those of you watching the video will be able to see it. You might notice, you might not, uh, the different background. I'm still settling in and adjusting to this new space. So maybe the sound isn't 100% optimal, but we're getting there. So the Chichester Coaching Psychology Symposium is taking place on April 26th. I'm going to be speaking at that and I'm going to be looking at the topic of how we can effectively deal with psychological discomfort in coaching contexts. It comes up all the time. Um, it's, a, it's a root issue from everything from how we cope with pressure through to why we procrastinate. So I'll be bringing that to life for the audience. Uh, Rachel, you're also going to be uh, speaking at this conference. Well, what's your contribution going to be? Yeah, so I think I think I'm either directly before or directly after you. I'm going to be talking about coaching and technology. So I'm going to be drawing on my research and my industry research, as well as my academic research, looking at whether or not we can use technology to functionally replace some of the things that we would do face to face. So can we be as effective? Can we kind of make it as good as an experience? And looking at kind of the, the mechanisms of change that we might be targeting within those kind of technology augmented or technology delivered coaching interventions. So that's should what I'm I, going to be talking should about. Should I feel threatened that I'm going to be replaced? <laughs> <laughs> sure answer, no. No, no, I think one of the, the big challenges that we have is that there are so many people who will benefit from interventions like coaching and coaching psychology. So it's a little bit more about how do we democratize and make it more accessible and available to people rather than are we replacing coaches? I don't think that's where we're at. So. Yeah, and I but think I'll, that's I'll be really, talking about it's a nice way of exploring exploring it yeah. making this available to more people um, through through that medium is fantastic and i think there's also some ethical implications so i'll be trying in a very short space to put all of that into a nutshell and package it up for everybody brilliant all in 25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i'm really looking forward to that event i'm going to put a link to it in the show notes uh if people are interested in attending you'll be able to find more about that and who else is going to be speaking it's definitely a session i will have my notebook open all day because i'm really looking forward to to hearing these other speakers so yeah uh, final it's bit a of... fantastic it's a fantastic lineup and i think the other yeah. thing is that the um organizers are really keen to make it free to attend which I yep. thought was a fantastic move on their part because we have lots of people who are looking for good opportunities to learn about coaching. And yep. um, we, all have, we all have limited finances. so It's often a barrier to engaging with this stuff. The cost, I mean, yeah. whether it's buying a journal article or attending an event or getting training. So I think this is a, this is a really good point. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. 
Now, the final uh, piece of news before we dive into the main meat of this episode is that the latest video on the YouTube channel is my second vlog style video. That's less important than the fact that I'm, what am I actually talking about? So one element of that is about using psychological acceptance to deal with the stress of moving office. Uh, but my main point that I talk about is answering a really commonly asked question, um, how long does it take to become a psychologist? And I just share my professional journey, not that it is a perfect exemplar, but to illustrate it's possibly longer than many people think and um, you don't automatically become a psychologist as soon as you complete your undergraduate degree. That might be a downer for some people. It might be exciting for some people. But anyway, I'll put a link to that video again in the show notes so you can have a look if you're interested. So today we're going to talk about goals and goal setting. And in my professional experience, people often equate coaching with goals. If there is coaching, there must be goals. Now, in parts, I reckon that comes from a lot of the positives that we associate with goals and goal setting. So maybe let's look at that first. What are the benefits of engaging in goal setting, whether it's in coaching or just in life? Because it's January, right? When we record this, lots of people are interested in setting goals for themselves. No doubt there will be goal setting in the workplace as well. So what are the benefits of using a goal setting approach? Rachel, do you want to start the ball rolling? Mm, yeah, very happy to. And I'll pick up on your point about, you know, coaching is all about goals, because I think it is and it isn't. Mm -hmm. I think it is in the fact that I would use the phrase, which is not mine, I'm stealing this off one of the biggest, in my opinion, and best coaching psychology researchers, uh, Tony Grant. Mm -hmm. So there is a model that he uses, which I use all the time, which is about goal-directed self-regulation. So for me, goals are about finding what direction you want to move in and then evaluating whether or not you're being effective in getting there. But this is where the big caveat is part of that process is still always reflecting back on whether or not you're going in the right direction. So I think for me, goals are fantastic because they really help us to look at what is it that I want to achieve. They kind of force you to really identify that, to um, formulate what it is that you want to achieve. So from that perspective, I think goals are great. But, and we're going to talk about this later, so I don't want to, we I'm are. going to keep my powder dry. <laughs> I love that. Yes, there are but, lots of buts. Yeah, that specificity bit, having to formulate, having to be clear and specific and detailed maybe about the desirable end point can also be useful because it, it asks questions of you that you might have not have asked before, or it requires you to reflect in a way that something non-specific like I'm going to be healthy this year uh, doesn't, and, and actually maybe question your motivation. And we do know that goals can in fact themselves increase motivation for some people in some circumstances. People, some of us are very motivated to achieve things and a, and a well-formulated goal can contribute 
to that motivation. And of course, uh, if we've got effective goal setting in the workplace, it can increase team effectiveness as long as those goals are in alignment. And if everyone's clear on what everyone's working towards and it, it brings a focus and, and that's, that's great. So we know that there are lots of positives and we know what makes for good goals. That's not uh, up for debate really here, but we don't want to assume that goals work in every situation with every mm -hmm. individual in every context and that we don't misinterpret what good goal setting uh, looks like and, and that we're too uh, inflexible with them, for example. So yeah. everyone listening and to I this has probably set themselves some goals at some point. This is one of those things that set a target. They wanted to make a change. I'd like everyone listening or watching to maybe think about a goal that they've set themselves or has been set for them and to hold that as an example as we go through the remainder of this discussion. So I think one of the things when we're talking about coaching and goals and this idea that goals are coaching, I think pretty much every form of coaching has got a goal setting element. And that's because it is a really helpful thing to do. But I often say to people, the goal isn't to achieve the goal, which sounds a little bit odd. But what I mean is that you've always got to be thoughtful about, is this the right goal for me? And so the goal is to use the goal to kind of, you know, get you moving. And then you start, you know, you can start evaluating whether or not it's the right direction to go in. Because something that we often forget is that goals should be amenable to change. If yeah. the world around us changes, or if we change, if we realize something about that goal, or something happens to us, well, we need to amend it. Otherwise, we're just creating uh, a failure or we're creating a punishment for ourselves. So let's remember that if we're too inflexible about our goals, that they're going to work against us and they will no longer be that uh, motivating factor or that valued endpoint or checkpoint that we might want to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And there is so much research that shows that goals do you know, they do create behavior change. They do help to move us forward. So we would never want to get rid of them. I think it's just about thinking about what is the purpose of the goal, which is one of the things you and I are keen to talk about today, because I know we feel quite similarly on this, that we don't want to be a slave to a goal. It should be something, it's another tool that we can use to really get us to where we want to get to, wherever that might be. And that goal... Um needs to be something that we authentically want as well. And this is one of the ways that goals can be unhelpful. I argue that goal setting is so simple, we can go through a goal setting process without asking ourselves, do I really want this? Is this something that we really will make a positive difference in my life for whatever reason? And so it's therefore easy to jump on a bandwagon of a goal. It's easy to accept a goal without thinking, how well it aligns with who you want to be. And, and it's therefore really easy to jump into an unreasonably difficult or unrealistic goal as well, because a goal written on paper is not the same as the behavior required to reach it. Agreed, 100%. I think also there's a question around how are you going to evaluate your progress towards a goal? you know, thinking about that, either when you set them, and I think for some people just setting the goal can be quite a challenge. I've worked for years with SMART goals, and I know lots of organizations use them, and 
I've worked with coaches. I don't know if you're the same where they almost, oh, smart goals. You know, there's almost a real aversion to them. So I have moved away from smart goals in coaching contexts where I think they've been actually creating a little bit of a barrier. Even though I know all of the data about goals, you know, the mechanisms that they work through. And we've seen the research that shows, you know, they do, they, they, they're great for generating behavior, new behavior, you know, creating, helping us to create change. But they can be a bit of a barrier for people if you don't know specifically what you want to achieve. We don't know how you're going to measure it or you don't know, you know, all of those other. I think the one I really stick to is time bound. So I always try and give people an opportunity to think about, you know, when will I think about when I've been successful? How, you know, what's my time scale for this goal? When do I want to think about whether or not I've achieved it? Because I think that also helps you to reflect on whether or not it's the right goal. Absolutely. There's a really important point there about the difference between an aspiration and a goal. Uh, it turns into a goal when there's timelines. It turns into a goal when you've got a target to reach. Up till then, it's something at some point in the future, I'd like to have this. And that there's nothing wrong with that as long as we're being specific. Is that an aspiration or a goal that you're actually working towards? And I, I take your point about, about smart goals. Um, I, I, I treat values in the same way that so many people have a cynical view of values because of how they're used and misused in the workplace that we can talk about them in any other way. It doesn't matter. We don't have to use the word values, but the, the, the qualities of a goal need to be there. Otherwise someone is not being set up for success. And, and that's why checking for authenticity. And before we go into any more detail, exploring the why for the goal, if you don't have a why that is really well formed for you, you will not be able to continue through the inevitable challenges you face. You won't be able to persist through the difficulties because you haven't got a really good rationale. You just have a shiny, shiny end point in the form of the goal, but not the why you're going to keep going in order to get there. Goals in themselves are great, but they need to be authentic. They need to be realistic. They need to be specific enough that um, you know what you're doing and they need to be flexible enough. And without those things, it, it can feel like a punishment. It, it really can. And of course, it's so easy to set them. We, we might set ourselves too many goals and find ourselves um, conflicted internally or overwhelmed by the amount of new things. Uh, I feel that whenever people talk about New Year's resolutions, plural, and they talk about all the changes they're going to make. And, you know, I'm off the clock, so I'm not telling people what to do differently, but I can imagine that's a lot of change to implement at one time at the beginning of the year when it's dark and cold. We've just been talking about this before we recorded, and maybe you've got less money at this time of the year and, 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 you know, maybe you could wait a little while as well. So there's a bit about social pressure and goals that's really important to, to underline. You don't need goals unless you want goals. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. If it's not something you want, why do it? Or if they're not going to be useful to you. But I think that's quite hard to know at the outset. And I think the other thing I want to say is it's okay to not know 
it's okay to set a goal and for it to be a terrible goal because you'll you'll realize as you start working towards it that it's a terrible goal in my in my experience you know the people I've I'm going to talk about myself as well surely but you know the people I've worked with I've had coaching sessions where you know like it's the second or third session so we've got some clear goals we're reflecting on progress and uh, I distinctly remember one coachy we were checking in on a goal I said oh you know how's how's it going and uh she said oh I've realized it doesn't matter <laughs> It was, she'd realized it was, um, let me give you more of the detail on the context and then you'll see why. Um, the goal was to clear her inbox every day. Now, the reason that she wanted to do that is because she felt quite overwhelmed, quite anxious. And mm. actually we were doing some other work around her psychological flexibility. And uh, yeah, the, I think it was the third session we were checking in and she said, oh, I've realized it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether or not I've got emails in my inbox. And it was because it was, and I I would never say to somebody, it's the wrong goal because you don't know. I think it's for you as the person who owns that goal, whose goal it is, to know whether or not it truly is either the right goal or even your goal. Because you and I have talked about this. You were just describing authentic goals. Mm-hmm. I think it is easy for us to, you know, we, we love the people we love. We want everyone to like us. We want to have, you know, good standing. And so sometimes I think we take on goals that we've either inherited or we feel these are things that we should want and they're not necessarily things we truly want or there could be too much conflict with some of the other things that we want. I mean, again, an example, (laughs) I've probably talked on this podcast before about my move back to the Northeast, you know, and there's, there are goals related to that about being close to my family, but they have an impact on some of my work goals because of the way my work is kind of, you know, evolving. My, my business, my practice is evolving in a certain Mm. way and it sort of shuts down some of the options that I thought were things that I wanted. And now that I'm having to make that decision, I'm like, actually, what I really want is I want to be here in the Northeast doing what I'm doing. And that that really underlines that example of having multiple goals. We need to look at them in the round so that they're not in conflict with each other. If you look at one goal at a time, we can be optimistic about that. But if you look at, well, if I do that, am I able to do the other thing? And you may not be able to, you know, and it might be about prioritization or choice between them. But yeah, you don't know until you know. So you don't have to know everything about the goal before you start working towards it, but you will learn from your experience as to whether you need to adjust it, drop it, amend it. That's the flexibility bit. And you'll know pretty soon after the initial burst of enthusiasm, whether it's authentic or not, the first time you meet a, a challenge, whether you keep going or not. And so this January is so full of social pressure about change and doing new things. And I I know I'm sensitive to it, but I've been noticing the number of print ads and online ads about, you know, making yourself better this year, the better you, but it's always represented physically like the gym or something like Mm. that. And that's a lot of pressure. And the tyranny of should, you've mentioned should, comes to play here. Oh, I should do this. I should be able, I should know this. 
Well, actually, it takes a strong person to push back against that and say, this is what I value, not this. And so then I'm going to focus on this. Yeah, and I think that's, again, going back to psychological flexibility, which I think many of your listeners have come uh, come to understand through through the podcast. Part of that is about knowing what is important to you. And then you can kind of make decisions around what direction you want to go in. And I think it's also understanding whether or not it's a direction that you truly value, that is meaningful, that brings you something of of purpose and vitality. I think just getting skinnier. <laughs> I'm always for the laughing sake of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I've had that that goal for the last few few months. But interestingly, I've been having a, a an experience whereby I am working with somebody down at my local gym. My local gym is amazing. And um, I've been working with this uh, coach for a couple of months and getting really good data, really good data on my body composition. And although, yes, I have put on weight over Christmas because I think I just ate cheese solidly for a month, but... I'm not hearing any downsides yet. Sorry, go on. (laughs) (laughs) Over Christmas, I have put on 1.2 kilos of muscle. Now, if I was just weighing myself at home, I'd be berating myself for making no progress towards my goal, you know, and I won't bore everyone with my, my, my fitness goals, but, you know, it isn't just to get thinner, it's to get healthier, to get stronger, um, to be able to do the sports that I enjoy doing. So I actually moved towards my goal, but I only know that because of the data. You know, so I think being able to understand what does success look like? Success is not losing weight. It could be, you know, it could be more nuanced than that. And I think, again, being able to adapt and flex and, you know, shift your understanding of your goal, which, again, I think sometimes smart goals push us to being more rigid than we might perhaps otherwise want to be, Um or, you know, get, force us into a, a place where we have to be more specific than we might be able to be. I think being able to say, you know, to keep thinking about what is my goal? What is it that I really want to achieve? And how can I get the feedback on that to evaluate my progress towards it? I think that's so important. You, you've picked a couple of really good examples there because they point to another factor that when goal setting is really unhelpful. Um, it's very easy for us to set a goal over something we've no control over. Like having an empty inbox is a classic example. You don't control that. It's like trying to empty a river with a spoon. You know, you, there will always be more email. So you, you you are always going to feel like you're losing at that. And similarly, um, it also assumes that we know how to achieve that goal. So someone not working with your coach could feel very, very bad about their progress because they don't understand the mechanisms that are required to reach the goal they want to. And they might be leading themselves astray or not seeing the progress as soon as they would like to because these things take time. And so they they give up because, you know, I've been to the gym twice now and I don't look like an Olympic god. So, you know, um, what's the point? So, you know, the, there's there's a bit about being realistic and understanding what levers am I going to pull? What behaviors am I going to exhibit that will get me to that goal? 
no matter how well thought out it is, I need to know what practically I'm going to do in order to get there. Well, it's quite a good one because it, it is one that um, it's quite complex for us. You know, there's a lot of facets to it in terms of our human behavior, you know. But one of the things that you might need to do is to think about what are the elements of your life that you could change? You know, what are the things that you want to achieve in relation to that? So similarly, is it I want to put on more muscle? Is it I want to train for a particular sport? Is it that I need to reflect on my nutrition and the kind of lifestyle, the relationships that I have with food? You know, there's lots of different elements to that. And so what I was encouraging my coaches to do was to actually set goals that explored how do I achieve this or what do I need to know that I don't know? What are the, the skills or the knowledge or the, you know, abilities that I may not have right now? And I think that's completely legitimate. In my opinion, I think that's a really good way of approaching this. Absolutely, because, and you bring me on to my next major point, some of the goal-related behaviors that can be really unhelpful to us. And I mean, this is a podcast about the psychology of the workplace, but all our listeners are humans. Um, you know, you could reach a weight loss goal, but what would you have done in order to get there? How sustainable will that behavior be? And that's that's the uh, experience of everyone who's ever been on a crash diet. Yes, you can lose the weight, but as soon as you stop the crash diet, the weight comes back because what you have been doing is not a sustainable way of behaving. And that's my observation in so many organizations that targets can be reached, but at what cost? Goals can be achieved but with a bit of a trail of destruction behind them. So I think there's an element uh, that each individual, each of us needs to remember is how sustainable is my behavior in order to reach this goal? And if it's not sustainable behavior, then this goal isn't realistic. You know, it's really not something that's going to be good for me outside of this, this goal setting. And of course, this can lead to some really relentless pursuit of goals because the critique could be, well, the goal is achieved. Now what? They are by their very nature, time bound, passing temporary things. So what next? And, and that is the thing to remember that you will continue past the goal, whether you meet it or you don't. The goal is a thing that you, you, you fly by, right? And so if all we're doing is chasing goals, if all we're doing is behaving unsustainably, then the life we're living is not going to be the one that we want. I know that that's kind of uh, fundamental to what we do, but it's worth reminding everyone that the, the goal isn't as important as your everyday behavior. The goal isn't the goal. Exactly. The goal is the journey. You know, what we want is to live the most effective, you know, the, the lives that bring us that meaning and purpose that actually... Uh, happiness is it the right word to use but you know like longer term we want to feel fulfilled we want to feel like we've lived a good life whatever that might mean to each of us and yeah. so that's what we're trying to achieve and goals are just tools to help us take a few steps towards that worth worthwhile way of living whatever that looks like for us and that could be you know having a certain type of body you know it could be yeah, because not everybody is aiming to be super skinny. Um, so, which is a good thing in, in my case. I don't have thing. that goal. 
but it could be, you know, it could be the promotion. It could be moving into a new industry. It could be, you know, becoming um, a team leader for your small team. It, it, you know, it could be just taking on extra responsibility and demonstrating to your boss you, you've got potential. These are all goals. You know, that's something we've not touched on, actually. Goals can be any size. So they yeah. don't all have to be these massive things. I could set a goal now. We're, we're recording on a Tuesday. I could set a goal for Friday. Um, and you know, that, that's a really short term goal, but it's still a goal. So, you know, what, what is around the goal? Um, when I teach goal setting to managers, I put it in a framework of a journey and goals are destinations on that journey. They are not the journey and the direction of our journey is our values. It's set by our values. And so if we set goals that are contrary to our values, we're deviating from that valued journey. But we, we need to know what destinations we want to visit on that journey. That's where they bring us clarity. But we could change the plan. Right? And also, the bit we forget is we need to put one foot in front of the other in order to get to those different destinations. So the action, the behavior, the habits, which we'll come to a little bit later on, each of those is an experience. And if all we're focused on, to maybe stretch that metaphor a little bit more, <laughs> if you're in Berlin and all you're thinking about is when we get to Paris, you're not enjoying Berlin, right? So it, the future focus can take us away from the present moment very easily and you know, neglect the opportunities to behave in a values-aligned way here and now because all we're thinking about is the next goal. And I encounter yeah. that in my coaching practice a lot where people you know will report this strange lack of satisfaction in their uh job i've achieved all of these things but it was relentless goal after goal after goal and not really being part of things not really feeling the moment and no no satisfaction from the goals either because then there's another one and another one ultimately that's not sustainable it's a little bit a little bit relentless and it's not very pleasurable to just be thinking about the next target every time so we need we need balance i think that's probably pretty obvious a future focus but also reminding ourselves i am here now what am i going to do here and now that's really interesting as well because the way you're describing it it almost sounds a little bit like an avoidance so i will I can't do this until I do this you know until I achieve this goal I think going back to the example about the emails you know there was something similar there I'm not going to feel less stressed until I clear my inbox and that's why it became the goal but I think you're right I think sometimes those goals can almost obstruct us it almost kind of tricks us into thinking there is a perfect idealized destination that we're going to get to as soon as we achieve this goal whereas the reality is there's a lot that we can do in the here and now there's a lot that we can attain if we're moving in that values-based direction mm. direction over speed attainment dashing it's just well one foot in front of the other if we're if we're in a sharing mood um i had a, a coaching session many years ago earlier in my career I was the coachee. Um, um, my coach listened to me talk about my career and plans and development plans. And basically, I'm paraphrasing, but said, why do you keep doing this? And I said, what? What do I keep doing? You keep setting these targets for 
courses and then and I was talking about doing my doctorate. I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? And I, I didn't have an answer. And what it boiled down to was, oh, in my head, qualifications equals good rather than really want to do this and it's adding value. Now, nothing I ever learned and or studied took away from my ability to be a good practitioner psychologist. But yeah, on reflection, several of them took me away from other aspects of my life or I could have done other things. So this simplistic view of, well, I better do another thing. I better, you know, I ought to, I should, wasn't thought through. And I don't know if you've had it in a, in a coaching session, but I was that coachy who just like a fish because I didn't have the words to express that this was such a different perspective. And I was living a very goal-oriented professional life until that point. So that changed things for me quite fundamentally yeah. to be challenged. I haven't had that same experience, not in that same way, but something quite similar. And it was it was actually with a supervisee, so another coach. And we were talking about, you know, the different, goals that were going to be set up as part of this you know the supervision relationship is very much around helping people to be the best practitioner that they can be so the conversation was around that and we started exploring that and this this analogy emerged of a bucket that the supervisee was carrying around and in the bucket was all these things that their mind was giving them that they should achieve in order to be a good coach. And I think this is probably generalizable to most professionals, to pretty much maybe to all of us, could even be in our personal lives as well. I'll be a good parent when, you know. So this idea of you carrying this bucket around, what became really important, and I think this is a good principle for us all to remember, is the goal is not to get rid of the bucket because you probably can't, you know, you're going to carry around mm -hmm. those insecurities or, or desires or intentions or whatever they might be. So the supervisor and I, we talked at length about rummaging in the bucket. What's in there, mm. you know, and where's the helpful stuff, the stuff that you actually want to achieve. Because that's the good, that's the gold. That's why you're carrying the bucket around because there will be something useful in there. There'll be a message. There'll be a, you know, something that you can take out and say, yeah, that's actually what I want to go for. That's where I'm going to put my energy and that's where I'm yeah. going to kind of, you know, push towards. But the other stuff stays in the bucket. Not avoiding the bucket. It's there. Mm. But it's just mm. knowing that the bucket doesn't have to tell you what to do. You rummage in the bucket and you pull out the stuff that is actually going to be useful, meaningful, you know, the things that you actually want to do rather than your mind giving you all this stuff that you feel you have to do in order to be whatever it is. So th this aligns really nicely with one of the key points that comes up all the time. And I made a note of it because there are notes for this podcast, just in case listeners are thinking uh, this is just emerging. Um, attaching our self-worth to a goal is a real risk and it can drive terrible behavior and a terrible response because if I'm only as good as my success in the goal, yeah, I, you know, I think yeah. everyone's been there. Uh, either if you don't achieve it, I'm a bad person rather than events, things, I didn't achieve this one goal, let's put it in context, 
or we can have the earlier point, the unsustainable striving and maybe burning a few bridges because I'm a bad person if I don't reach it. So therefore I must do everything in my power to get there. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the self-worth conundrum, let's call it, is, is very sticky. It's very complex because it is all about self-concepts. And I read something in early December in, in popular press. It wasn't an academic writing. And I'm paraphrasing, but I think it sits with this really, really well. They were criticizing, this person criticized their friend saying, why are you going to the workshop to learn how to make an elf on the shelf when you could have been spending the time with your kids? And there's there's this, you know, I should do this to be a better ex. If I don't do that, I'm not a good ex. But well, what are you missing? Hold on. That's much more relevant to being a good ex, being a good parent, you know, being a good manager, being a good friend or whatever it is. You're doing maybe the performative stuff. Look how hard I'm working to achieve this thing, but I'm missing out on actually doing it in the everyday. Um, so it, it, there's, there's a lot in there that where I think coaching could be an excellent support around exploration of the self-concept. What are you saying to yourself about yourself that could be driving this stuff? No one's making you do it. You know, you're saying to yourself, this is who I need to be. This is what is important and I'm not worth it if I don't have this, don't achieve this. And they can be really powerful drivers, can't they? Because if it if it is something that you really care about, then it's hard to step away. It's hard to step away and and say to yourself, that's not the right thing. I need to put that back in the bucket. And I think I like to work with my coaches and my supervisees and anyone else who comes into contact with me. I like to really undermine this idea of failure because I think it's incredibly unhelpful. Certainly in this context where we're talking about really, you know, your growth as a human living the kind of life that you want to live, you know, when you're working in those spaces and maybe you're working on things that are really hard to achieve, I think it takes away an element of compassion and understanding. So being able to say, you know, all you're going to do is learn. There is no such thing as failure in this process. You are, if you achieve the goal, great. You've learned something, you've kind of, you know, moved yourself to a new point on your journey. Yeah. But if you don't achieve your goal, you've also learned something and you've also moved yourself to a different point on your journey. It's the same thing. The outcome might be slightly different. The next thing you do might be slightly different. You know, your evaluation of the situation, you might decide to do things differently again if you try again. But it isn't this binary, I've passed or I failed, you know. And as we both know, binary thinking is easy. You know, it's almost the default, good, bad, right, wrong, success, fail. And it takes a little bit of effort and creativity to think either side of those binaries because of the, the negatives. And if I'm not successful, I need to work hard to get there. And if I am successful, I need to work really hard to maintain my success. It's lose, lose, really, when we think about the binary thinking for something incredibly complex right? We could say it's night or it's day, fine. But being an effective manager, being a great leader, being being a, a good student, a brilliant coach, do you say success fail with those things? No, it's, it's unhelpful. It's really unhelpful oversimplification and, and wearing a badge. That, that detracts from any motivation, really, any helpful 
motivation that's going to be sustainable. Let, let's maybe turn to something much more positive, which is to offer, hey, you know what, if you don't want to set goals, if goals have, if you've been burned by goals, or you've got enough goals at work, I mean, which is another thing, you didn't ask for those goals, your manager set them for you, maybe, we have alternatives, you want to make changes. Uh, option one is to just focus on cultivating habits, because they're behavioral. And over time, they contribute to change without this big scary future deadline it's just every every day i'm going to do x small small habits these are the steps and I, I would argue that as long as those habits are in alignment with your values you're going to get where you want to get to maybe more slowly maybe not but it won't be under the pressure of a finish line that is not going to be a finish line because if the, the habits are helpful and they're aligned with your values you're going to keep doing them right there's no I've had enough of being compassionate now. That's enough. I've achieved that. No more of that, right? So habits are a nice, accessible gateway to making some changes. What What do you think to that proposition? I like it, but I'm also, I I just think about goals as being like pretty much every behavior because there's mm -hmm. a really fantastic quote, which is like, if you don't have a goal, you don't have a behavior. There is without intention, there is mm. no behavior, mm. which I think is a purely semantic point. We're talking about the same thing. So I, I yeah. agree, absolutely. But I think it's more thinking about the size of undermining a little bit of the idea that a goal has to be formal. I don't think it does. I think even just having an intention is going to do the same thing. It's going to direct you. It's going to move you forward functionally. Um, it's going to do the same thing. So mm -hmm. I think thinking about habits as being just the steps, the steps that you want to do consistently. Because yeah. I think that's something, again, we haven't spoken about so much, but I think it's really important when you're thinking about how do I get from A to B, you know, effectively. Often it's the little steps that you just do consistently. Yes. That's the power of habits. It's the cumulative um, impact. And if, if you focus on consistency over results, you're much more likely to continue because goals are all about results. And as you've illustrated earlier, sometimes the results aren't telling us what we really need to know. But if we know that, hey, I've gone for a lunchtime walk every day for 30 days and I feel good when I do it and I don't want to stop doing it. You might notice, oh, my watch is telling me I've walked more or the scales are telling me I've lost a little bit of weight. But you know what? That wasn't why I was doing it. I wanted to get a break from a screen. I wanted to spend more time outdoors. I wanted to talk to a colleague as we walked around the park, whatever it is. But the consistency means, oh, this is part of who I am and what I do now. And I like it mm -hmm. rather than by the end of the month, I want you to have walked this many steps, uh. you know. Or, or, or lost this much weight. And of course, of course, you might then say, this habit contributes to these changes. Maybe now I want to formulate a goal. Absolutely. No one's telling you you can't. But the steps in order to get to a future state, they have to be practical. They have to be behavioral in, in some way. And to say, could you do this little thing each day? That, that's a habit. This is also a way with my coaches when they set a really stretching goal, we'll explore what's the smallest 
atomic unit of behavior you could do every day. And if there's pushback against that, and I'll say, well, how are you ever going to get there if you're not prepared to do this small thing each day? That is one of the steps to get you there. And that's because the future nature of the goal, when it's far enough away, future me will take care of that. Well, I want present day you to do this small thing. You know, I use the example all the time of the person wanting to do an MBA while they're working. Great. There's a goal. Fantastic. Graduate with an MBA. Can you take an hour each evening to read a business book? No. Well, what do you think you're going to be doing on an MBA? (laughs) You're going to have to find some time to do a lot of reading about topics you're not particularly interested in, for example. You know, so can you do the small things before you set the big goal? I think habits are a nice way of exploring that. And, and I think t- you're right. Sorry. I think so. I was just going to say with the habits, one of the things that's really powerful about finding those habits that work is that you can then kind of connect them, habit stack. So you can then create a whole what will feel like a much bigger change over a period of time. And starting with the lower friction changes, the things that are a little bit easier and building up that way. Yeah. You know, this this comes back to the point that the, the misunderstanding sometimes that a goal should feel tough. Why? It's just something yeah. you want. Why does it need to feel awful or really, really difficult? Um, the habits can be really small and easy to incorporate, but they do get you to where you want to be. And, and I was going to say the other tool and the final point, maybe the final big point is the the, the application of our values. So in in the most recent newsletter, I wrote about how we can, instead of a New Year's resolution or huge change, just look at our options when they're presented to us and ask ourselves, and the the example I use was self-care. Does this represent self-care to me? Instead of, is it good or bad? Is it success? Is it, should I do it? But no, is this thing self-care? And that means you could say, well, going to bed early, that's self-care actually, or staying in you know, and resting, that's self-care. Or, you know what, getting my bills out and organizing them and paying them, that's self-care because it's helping me get to where I want to be. So that's not, strictly speaking, smart goal uh, implementation. It's just asking yourself regularly, does this behavior align with this important thing, which is, we call it a value, yeah? And that's checking in multiple times each day and becoming more aware of your options and whether they're bringing you towards what's meaningful rather than in six months, I'm going to look like that um, somehow. <laughs> I know, which then you don't achieve it and then you feel terrible about yourself. I think that's a yeah. really classic example that most of us have got lived experience of. So a good one for us to be talking about. Yeah, I think, and I, I think when you're thinking about when you are working towards your values, you know, having that as the focus, then you can also start thinking about the consistency of that. Am I able to connect with that value every day? You know, are there things that I'm not doing that I could be doing? This is a classic coaching question that I use. What are you not doing that you could be doing that's going to connect you to that value more? You know, those are great reflection points. It's a mile away from smart value, uh, smart goals that do have their place. You know, I think you and I, neither of us would say you shouldn't use them, you shouldn't set them. It's more about extending your repertoire to include things outside of smart goals in addition to them, but using the right thing 
to, to achieve the right outcome that you want. Yeah, I think that I think that's what we're doing here is presenting, you know what, there are options. It's a menu. Be intentional about how you select from that menu. Try to avoid the should mentality. Try to avoid inflexibility. Try to avoid tying up your goals with your self-worth. And be prepared to drop them like a hot stone when they no longer serve you. Uh, I loved your point about a learning opportunity. So you didn't get there, but what did you learn about your approach, about the authenticity of the goal? Or what did you learn about the world? You know, maybe you had assumptions about the support you'd receive or how things would just click into place. And maybe the world doesn't work like that for you. So they are a great way of, of learning and then recalibrating, trying again. Yeah, absolutely. Any final thoughts to, to throw into the mix before we, we say goodbye for this episode? Oh, do you know what? Firstly, what a fantastic conversation. I always really enjoy when we pick a topic and then we kind of grapple with it the way that we have just now. The biggest takeaway for me, having you know spent the last however long chatting about this, really is that what I think goals are fantastic for is creating that change but I think the big takeaway is do that in an adaptive way see it as you adapting your behavior not in a linear way but like taking the little turns that you might need along the way undermine this idea that to achieve the goal is to to win or to succeed and to change the goal or to not achieve the goal as you initially set it is in some way a failure I don't think like that at all. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Rachel. Um, I, I like your point. It's always great to, to chat with you on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening or watching, if you're watching. I'd love to know what you think. I'd love to know if you've set yourself some goals, if this conversation has maybe changed your view about goals or your, your particular goals, or maybe you are a fan of having a, a system with, with habits that are replicable rather than a big scary goal for the year ahead. Please, if you're watching this, drop your thoughts into the comments below. If you're listening, you can always send us an email, podcast at worklifepsych.com. And worklifepsych.com slash podcast is where you can always find the show notes for these episodes. And we'll put some resources in there um, that we've touched up upon before about habits, values, and goals. So you can find out more if you're feeling inspired. And I suppose my final thought for everyone listening would be it's, you know, it's the middle of January or slightly later. If you haven't set goals for the year so far, it's not a problem. <laughs> Don't feel bad. In fact, you might feel more inspired, uh, clarifying what you want to do differently, more of or less of in 2024 once spring comes around and we're all feeling a little bit better about things due to more sunlight. Who knows? Anyway, thank you, Rachel, and uh, thanks everyone out there for listening. <laughs> <laughs>